Welcome to the Femme Fatale podcast, where we interview some of the coolest female-identifying folks in film. This episode, we have the absolute honor to welcome our second guest from right here in Toronto, Frances Ann Solomon. Frances Ann Solomon is a director, writer, producer, curator, and entrepreneur in film, TV, radio, and new media. She started her career working for the BBC, through which she produced her first films, before establishing her own production company, Lita Serene Films. She is the CEO and co-founder of the Caribbean Tales Media Group, an organization based in Toronto and Barbados focused on promoting and distributing Caribbean-themed media for global audiences. Caribbean Tales also hosts SINFAM, an organization and festival supporting women of color filmmakers. This episode, we will chat with Frances Ann about her experience in various roles in the industry, philosophy about storytelling, experience at the Oscars, and more. Yeah, um, how would you... This is a bit of a funny introduction, it's very precise, but my first question is how would you describe yourself in three words? Um, I feel like a lot of the people I've been talking to so far are these like very talented people who do so much creative work and have such a vast portfolio, Um, so I think it's kind of funny to ask people to distill it down to three words just to see what people come up with, Um, because often it's true that like you you really can't be described in three words, but I'm always curious about what, what you would choose. Okay, so I'm producer, well, filmmaker first, actually, filmmaker, I'm a storyteller, Um, and then producer, meaning I create and make work happen um, in film, and then art activist, art hyphen activist. So I guess film storyteller, producer, so that's not three, but filmmaker, (laughs) producer, and art activist. Wonderful. And what, what, like, does art activism mean to you? Well, I'm an artist, which means that I create, mm-hmm. you know, I tell, I tell stories. I'm a creative person. Um, uh, I create art. My work is art. Um, but, but I'm equally an activist, which means that I am always seeking to tell stories that will change the world, that will make the world a better place, that will progress social justice, but through the medium of art. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. And just out of curiosity, is there like, did, does your sort of approach of art activism come from um, being an artist and like realizing your activism through art? Or is it more of like, do you have a reason why you feel like art is a good way to approach social change, I think is the question. Yeah, I think growing up, I was all I always found that telling stories, you know, mm-hmm. um, was therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel that people change through the process both of telling and receiving stories. It opens the mind, it creates bonds. It allows people to understand different things about each other, mm-hmm. um, see each other's point of view. And it's a very powerful way of carrying a message. So it's not that the message went first, it's that I I felt personally that this process of storytelling was very um, both healing and transformational, mm-hmm. personally and socially. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 and that became a form of activism. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that is. I feel like that perfectly distills um, how I would understand it as well. That idea of um, yeah, definitely like therapeutic in a communal sense, which I think is so mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. when we can exactly make a film and connect over that is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the process of storytelling is not just the telling of the story mm-hmm. and the accessing of the story but it's also the sharing of the story, the receiving of the story and the process of exchange that happens. I focus most of these questions on your work as um, as a filmmaker and a film creator, like in various different roles around the creation of film, but you're also um, one, if not the creator of Caribbean Tales Film Festival. Um, so if you wanna answer any of these questions as well in terms of being a festival curator and organizer, um, I'm definitely really interested to hear about that too, like especially just from a personal perspective of trying to organize well, festivals. Two things. One is that, um, like I said, the process of storytelling is not just the creation, writing, production, um, and um, sh- you know the actual finishing of a, of, a, of a story. It's the sharing of it. So that becomes then the exhibition and the showing of it. And then also the receiving, which is audience development, understanding marketing, um, and selling it, you know, which is the sustainability of it. Um, so very early on, uh, it became clear to me that um, in order, if you're talking about being a storyteller, at least for me, you have to understand the whole ecosystem Mm. of how that functions and in a real world, like how it functions as an economic driver, how, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what the creative industries are. Um, And, and especially, so that, that piece of it, working in as a black artist, Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, you can't just tell your story because Mm -hmm. there is no infrastructure for the dissemination, the monetization, and the so inevitably you have to kind of confront all that head on. And I chose to create um, platforms for the the exhibition, distribution, sale of of content. Mm-hmm. But my first job also was at the BBC in England, and coming out of that experience, you know, it was an amazing experience because it was that kind of ecosystem. Right. You know? mm-hmm. It was, you know, you had producers and the whole creative machine, but you also had, they were broadcasters and they were distributors and they, you know, they engaged with, with, a, with a rapt audience. The mm-hmm. British audience is very caught up and, and it becomes an exchange also. The relationship between audience and content is, uh, is two-way. You know, mm-hmm. like the audience feeds and also, you know, the audience is the where you get your story from. Mm-hmm. Not that you get stories from your audience, but, you know, you are your audience in a way, you know, that you come from that pool of, of, uh, of we're all the same. We're, it's, a, it's, a, it's very much an exchange. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a cycle. It's a pipeline. These are all different images to talk about the creative process mm-hmm. and the business of it. Absolutely. It was an extraordinary experience. But of course, what they didn't do very well was tell other people's stories, tell tell other than British stories, to tell black stories or the stories of of, uh, the other side of the British Empire, (laughs) those of us who were the colonies, (laughs) the colonial stories Mm -hmm. from the colonial point of view or female stories for a long time were just not, you know, it was very much a boys club. 
So I feel very privileged to have had the opportunity to work inside a big corporation for so long, mm-hmm. um, because we literally were, you know, in a build in one building where all these different things happen, and you could walk from one department to another. Wow. You know? <laughs> um, so you know, I was it was like a factory a story factory mm-hmm. i like to say mm-hmm. that's so visually interesting like to just walk <laughs> through all the different sections of the bbc that's mm-hmm. a big organization too to be working for like that's a massive mm-hmm. influence on um on storytelling and in, in i mean in england obviously but in the world too mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. it was yeah. great great experience awesome um, so all of your filmmaking, like a lot of the other people I've been interviewing as well, are very come from very personal places when when you're making and creating a film. Um, and so I was wondering what... So I asked the question, like, tell us about your work. And I think it's focused on, like, what your connection to your work is, like, both as a director. I mean, you have tons of titles. You're a director, you're a producer, you're a writer, you're, you're a creator, you're all these different things. So when you approach a film... Um, what's your connection to those stories? Different connections. Each one is very different. Um, I don't. I don't know if there is. I. I. I don't know if there's one thing that I think I'll leave it to the critics and <laughs> if I make they can the <laughs> <laughs> They can come up with the theories and the analysis, but I definitely do need to have a personal connection with each of the stories that I tell Um, you know like I can't do that unless I feel engaged and connected Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean I could talk about them um, one on one I remember the first film I made was called Eyes Along Memories Woman Um, and it was literally the first I I was in a bookshop and I picked up a book of poems by by a Guyanese writer called Grace Nichols and it was the story of um, in poems of the journey of the unnamed African woman traveling from Africa to the Caribbean. Um, and just what really struck me about it was because it was in the first person poems, it was just a sense of shock and mm-hmm. of surprise and, you know, that it was any man really, it was anybody's voice experiencing this horrendous um, thing you know, going through this horrendous experience, like going about your business and suddenly getting, you know, hijacked into this journey that that changes your life completely and that you have absolutely no power over. And um, growing up as a child in, 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 in the Caribbean, we didn't, we learned very little about slavery. Mm. We learned, we had like literally one day where we studied slavery, the rest of our history. And I specialized, like I did A-level history, mm-hmm. you know, um, we learned about the kings and queens of England and right. the Renaissance, the Baroque, and we studied uh, the poets of uh, of England, Wordsworth, Keats, Shelley. Um, but we never learned about slavery from the inside. We had one day where we where we studied that picture of the boat where everybody's packed in like sardines, which was a very kind of it was like a a graphic, you know, mm-hmm. a graph kind of mathematical kind of how many people can fit into a square type of thing but just this personal voice of a woman who could have been me Mm -hmm. you know um who could have been anybody going through this experience really shook me and that was i felt i wanted to to i saw it when i was reading the poems and i wanted to tell that story so that was my first film and um i guess one of the things that i do is i put myself you know, it's that process of identification. You know, I put myself into the 
shoes of or into the perspective behind the eyes of somebody else or in the in the experience of somebody else and and then go through that go along that journey i think that is something that i do and it takes it takes it takes you to another world um so it took you know, I, I, I wanted it to take the audience on that journey, not just through slavery, but through 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 revolution, you know, through the urge to trans to, to rebel and to transform and, and what that feels like and what it feels like to succeed and and to be free. Um so that was as long memory women and that you know, like that we today we have long memories, you know. Mm-hmm. So as women. Then um the second film I made was um, another book that I read about Caribbean women that served in the Second World War. Again, something you never hear about, mm-hmm. you know. I began to explore the use of images that we might be familiar with, like archive or or document, different kinds of documentary, but then kind of flipping inside of it to show what that looks like from the inside right so for example in that film you know we've all seen images of soldiers going off to war during the second world war waving at their at their relatives Mm -hmm. on the railway station type of thing we've Mm -hmm. all seen all those images so there was this one image i use this as an example to show what there was this one image of these soldiers doing that and waving at their relatives and i literally like cut out all the white soldiers and um dramatized black soldiers black women in soldiers uniform um waving on the platform and so they're waving and the people are waving back and then i cut that into the footage so that what i did was i I put black women mm. into the war. I put mm-hmm. them back where they belong. They were there, you know? Um, and I had so much fun doing that. You know, I'm like, it was like reclaiming history. It was mm-hmm. reclaiming the narrative to say, yeah, we were there too. And we were having a hell of a, we had a ball, you know, <laughs> the best time because they're killing themselves. You know, they're young, they're 18, 19, they're having the best time. And they were just girls, you know, they weren't black women, they were mm-hmm. girls on an adventure in England for the first time, <laughs> going to war, you know, so it was exciting. And then I also had the older women now in their 70s talking about their experience and giving them an opportunity to say what it was really like for them. So that was intercut. And um, because they were like my aunties, really, you know, they were very open. They laughed, they sang, they danced, they practiced their marching, <laughs> you know, stuff that you wouldn't normally see, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, growing up, these were the people I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is who I am. This is, this is you know, so it's, so it's been great fun for me to tell those stories. So I could go on and on and on and on because all the stories, all the films that I've made have kind of done that. Um, and I have the best time, I have to tell you. I love telling stories in that way. You know, I love, I, I just really enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that idea of of bringing to life those stories with your own creative means of like whatever you have access with now because there's so much of history that we don't necessarily focus on and a lot of it, unfortunately, also isn't, like hasn't survived, like, you know, it hasn't been cataloged or hasn't been part of the the dominant narrative so it's not prioritized in books and all that so I like that idea of just actually putting black people on that train and putting that 
narrative into place with with your creativity and with like the means of filmmaking of like what that can bring to the table is super interesting yeah that's really cool yeah so i mean i could go on and on it's 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 a lot it's it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and for so that kind of brings uh, me into the uh, another question of what your favorite project has been to work on and i'm also curious about in terms of that what your favorite project has been to work on and also what your favorite part of the process has been um, cause you say you love storytelling. You also said you really like doing the, like the actual, like, uh, visual elements of the film. I'm wondering what part of the, the entire process of making a film is your favorite part. Um, my favorite film, it, it's really kind of, it's like having 10 or 15 children. And <laughs> my favorite, I would say the one that had the most impact for me was called what my mother told me, um, which was you know what my mother told me my parents split up when I was four and uh, I went off with my dad um so the film tells the story of a young woman who returns to Trinidad after her father's death and meets her mother for the first time and what her mother tells her happened Mm. um her mother tells her the story of the breakup of the marriage and and stuff like that and and so the kinds of things that I you know, which is what happened. My, I met my mother for the first time and she told me these stories. Um, so in the film, one of the things that I really enjoyed was that the woman who played um, me, or, you know, the young woman who goes back to Trinidad, is also also plays the mother as a young woman. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she played both characters. So she played um, the young woman in the present day you know, very modern, mm-hmm. very in therapy, kind of, you know, with all kinds of hang-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she played um, a woman with, you know, with, and, she, and the woman in the present had locks, mm-hmm. right? And in the woman and her mother, the young woman in the past, had obviously, you know, straightened hair in the 60s style, very mm-hmm. stylish in that way. And she was very, you know, reserved as, you know, she did not really, she wasn't really in touch with her feelings mm-hmm. in that same way, you know? And so I wanted, again, that idea of it could have been me, you know, when she's challenging her mother and saying, how could you do this to me? You know, you abandoned me, you did this, you did that. We're seeing that mother as her when her mm. mother tells her story. She's saying, this could be you. This could have been you. So I liked that about it. And I also liked the play between present and past, which is something that I do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of saying, we're just human beings. It's an accident of birth when we were born and who we were born to be. Um, so our eyes are still seeing, our hearts are still feeling and you know we're the same mm-hmm. i think you can do so much in editing you can change you know you really can completely transform the story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's a, that's actually been a common um answer to that question which i think is really interesting hearing from like a bunch of storytellers that their favorite part is like the revisiting of the story and what can happen to a narrative once it's sort of once you have a second look at it almost after having done the whole process of filming and you've come up with this idea, you followed through, and then you're sitting down and editing it. And a lot of people like that, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. where the magic happens. It really yeah. is. 
I mean, it happens in production as well. But I wonder if, as women, you know, the production process is really hard mm-hmm. on women. Mm-hmm. Um, just because women taking leadership is not something that the film is something that the film industry is only just coming to grips with. Yeah. But in the edit suite, you have complete control, right? Yeah, Nobody tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and and in most cases too, the filmmakers I've been talking to have had like quite a bit of control over who is in their editing suite with them. And so there's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more sort of agency there where you can choose Absolutely. who your influence is and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. that's super and interesting. And I edit also, so. Right. Like, if I don't like what I see, I just redo it. Right. <laughs> you have the it's power okay, to change you. it. <laughs> Let's just change yeah. this all. <laughs> that's super cool. I Another question is what, your, what is your best experience on set, I guess? Probably would be with the actors in that case, <laughs> um, but I was kind of yeah. It about, was like... a film I made called *A Winter Tale*, mm-hmm. and um, what we did was we developed the script through a workshop process with about fourteen actors um, mm-hmm. through improvisation, and then I wrote a draft of the script, and then we revised it and revised it and stuff like that. But like over three years, we did that. Um, we'd meet like I don't know every three, three four months to have a workshop. And then we actually put it on in the in the in the theater first, mm-hmm. and then we moved the whole thing to to the um, to the to into in, on test on test set. So it was, cool. it was it was it was is a very organic process. I still that was twelve years ago that I made that film, and I still feel very close to the actors that I worked with on That's that incredible. film. That's yeah. incredible. Wow, yeah, that must have been very intensive. You're working mm-hmm. together for that long of a time. Yeah, we were really like a family, and we really trusted each other, and mm-hmm. and uh, I feel did something important together, yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. So you first had it on stage and then as a film, and mm-hmm. what was that transition like? Was that a natural, or was it difficult to sort of figure out where to put the camera in between, like, stage actor acting and screen acting, or...? Um, well, it was always meant as a film. Okay. The okay. reason why we did it as a play was because I, I got funding. You know, it was really hard to get funding. Mm-hmm. And in film, they don't, because it's so expensive, they don't allow you to um, have a lot of rehearsal time. Right. Or that whole organic development process is impossible in film because of the way that people are paid. Um, and especially for an independent black film, that would have been just, in, it would have been impossible for me to have that kind of three-year process. Right. Every three months or six, four months, we had like a week of intensive workshopping. That doesn't exist in film, in the structure of how film is paid. So what I did was I applied, um, I applied for funding to do a theater play, and mm. we did it under equity uh, theater equity uh, rules mm-hmm. as a as a workshop. Oh, interesting. And that required, yeah, and that allowed us to to go through that process. I paid right. them as theater actors, but then it required me to put it on as a theater play. Right. <laughs> so, That's so uh, good. Things we do. To get, to so you basically to did a play just to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. So That's everybody so knew that that was what, you know, and then I had to get all these actors, all, <laughs> like black actors, who at that time actually didn't have any black actors. I had to get all of them into the union in order for us to make a film. And then, uh-huh. but so they were like that, exactly. We were planning to make a film right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
play was a diversion, but it gave them an opportunity to really internalize those characters mm -hmm. and that, those words and the meaning and to get the, you know, like to, they knew the rhythm and the, the kind of motion of the whole piece. So I remember the first time I said, okay, we're going to the locations now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to each and every one of the locations and they were just like, all right, right. This is where this is going to be. This is where, you know, like it was just like, yes. <laughs> get a feeling for it <laughs> that's so cool that's kind of a that's kind of a funny way to go about it but that's so interesting that i mean yeah use the resources that are available to you when you don't have the right ones so, too, yeah, yeah. um yeah that's crazy that leads me right into my next question too is if you had unlimited resources what um what would what would you want to talk about with your film um and then also my, I have this question. What would be the first department that you would? I would get love in? to get together like a bunch of really top actors, you know, mm -hmm. like because really films get sold on actors, mm -hmm. you know. They like, like the face of get everything. A whole bunch of A-listers, right? <laughs> and get them to you know for three months or four months, pay for them for four months. Mm -hmm. For over two, you know, like four months this year, four months next year, I'll write the script in between, right? And uh, yeah, that's what I would love to do. Mm -hmm. That would be super cool. So you could do the same mm -hmm. process, but mm -hmm. with the money. <laughs> but be able to pay like A-listers. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. So that's a big budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that must be. I like. I still don't even know that I can comprehend how massive, like big crazy Hollywood budgets are because it's just so mm -hmm. much money it's crazy mm -hmm. um yeah yeah which is insane um but I mean yeah I mean people do really cool things though without all of that funding as well I think like a lot of the stories that we hear from smaller more independent filmmakers are are I mean not that the Hollywood movies aren't from the heart but there's it takes a lot of passion to do a project when you don't have the money to make it easily so I definitely think that there's great stories mm -hmm. that come out of that passion too um mm -hmm. yeah which is interesting um and uh yeah kind of the star question of the podcast is talking about what it means to be a woman and for you as well to be a black woman in the industry um if you want to talk about your experience or how you feel like that's influenced where you're at or where you want to go and um and yeah have you made i'm trying to ask people because i know that there's like a lot of barriers that being a woman or a woman of color in the industry can have for individuals so i'm trying to also ask people what have been the like good moments of connecting with other people and have there been opportunities that have arisen from um finding those like groups of people that you can connect with as well through that yeah for sure i mean we've definitely i've definitely had horrible experiences and continue to Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of racism, a lot of sexism. It affects how much money you have. It affects how people treat you, and the expectations that they have of you, everything. But um, how has being a woman affected me? Well, I guess the first thing that came to mind was I'm still a woman. You know, I ha I haven't changed. I'm proud to be a woman. Mm -hmm. um, I love being a woman. I love the perspective that it gives me. I feel like um, it. I feel like women are super women. Mm -hmm. Women do everything. Like the men that I know who are kind of aware and know and say, 
women are much better than men because they're so capable. You know, there was so we can multitask, we can think on different levels at the same time, we can function well in emergency, we're in touch with our feelings, we manage people well. You know, there's all these things that we have to do as women. It's either biological or because of the 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 things that we have to do in life, like raise families and and manage all kinds of complex dynamics, business, relationship, all that kind of stuff, and be in touch with our feelings and do it well. Like we are amazing and I'm so proud to be a woman and I'm so proud and I'm aware of how that influences what I do, how I see the world um, and how um, I interact with, with everyone. I'm, I'm, I, my my um, core collaborators, whether it's in my company or in um or in 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 or creatively are always women of color i mm. i i feel like we we there's there's a way that we connect and we know how to work and we know what work has to be done which makes the process of whatever we do and all of it is inter- interconnected um easy and fun and mm-hmm. and and worthwhile and meaningful. Mm-hmm. I do have collaborators who are men, like on my board, and sometimes the tech and the tech. The guy who's responsible for tech is a guy. So there are certain areas where men feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know? But like I'd never give a man a job to do admin. Okay, <laughs> wouldn't I'd be like yeah, you do it. Don't do that. You know, it's just like. Oh. Can't be bothered. Can I just get a woman, please? You know. And then I honestly find that you know, we're all quite often working with white people is an experience of uh, it's, it's it can be difficult. It can be difficult for a range of reasons. You know, because they're not used to working um, in the kinds of conditions that as 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 that we have to work in. You know, we yeah. we often have to work and you know on average women of color make a tenth or a fifth or a quarter of what white women make you know so it's like i'm not going to work for that or i'm not going to do certain things for that you know mm. so it it gets difficult or just the privilege just dealing with privilege can get exhausting so again it's just like can i please have somebody who i don't have to deal with this with you know so where i just where we just you know, understand each other in certain ways. And then it becomes just about, do we want to work together? Do you get what I want to do? Do you have the skills? And and that's hard enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than having to deal with different levels of privilege caused by. So I tend to, and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing being able to work with lots of women. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah. My next question is if you have any advice for young filmmakers who are looking to get their work recognized on a larger scale. I think I'll be authentic and stay in touch with your um, self, you know, grounded. Film industry is like really harsh and hard. It's full of nonsense. You know, there's a lot of pizzazz around celebrity and all of that. It's all hype, it's nonsense. You know, at the end of the day, we live, we die, you know, mm-hmm. and we get to 
live our best lives in between. Um, and if it's your choice to do it in film, then you get to do that with, I feel like, you know, the best way to do it is with with authenticity and love and, you know, be, being aware that it's just another way of living a life, of mm. making a living, of, of uh, you know, having, you know, living a good life and living a life that is meaningful for the people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, I was wondering also if you wanted to talk about your festival experiences. Um, what was your like first big festival? Have there been festivals that have like stood out to you as an experience of going to them, or one that meant a lot to you to be at or to be part of? Well, um, one of my first films, which was what Mother told me, the film I told you about, it got into TIFF. Um, and um, yes, I didn't have any sense of what that meant at the time. Um, but I got into TIFF and did really well. And it was a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was like, and it was a long, long time ago. So mm -hmm. I've been in other festivals since then that are also important, are, you know, as important or also important. But I remember that one because it was just like, yeah <laughs> that's pretty great for it that was your first film right yeah it was yeah that's yeah. pretty incredible it's, it's a, i feel like tiff is like the toronto that's a pretty good like toronto accomplishment yeah <laughs> Just it is, to start off, it's like a local yeah, like yeah, 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 and it's yeah. a big festival too so when i hear people from toronto that get into tiff it's pretty cool because mm -hmm. it feels like it brings you to a, an international stage in some ways absolutely from, yeah absolutely. being in that festival yeah. um that's awesome um, and are you on the the um, board for like academy voting at the Oscars? I am. You are. Yes. That's really incredible. I I saw that. I saw a video of you talking about the parasite um, win, and I was like, wait, I actually don't know at all like how any of that works. Like, how, were you invited to be part of that? Um, to be mm -hmm. part of that board? Yeah. And um, how does being at like one of the largest film festivals <laughs> um, compare to being at some of the smaller, more grassroots festivals? I don't think it makes that much difference, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are people. Yeah. Um, it's certainly very exciting. Yeah, it, it's certainly very exciting mm -hmm. being part of that incredible organization which has had which has so much impact mm -hmm. on the global entertainment business and being part of it from the inside is i feel like a kid in a toy shop to be honest i feel like oh my god let me <laughs> see what i can play with or you know let me see what i can disrupt or what can break what can <laughs> it's really fun it's really fun that's yeah, it. and it's just people, you know, it's like mm. you've got this image of something from the outside. Honestly, I've never thought about the Oscars before, you know, because I'm like, I'm a black filmmaker. It's got nothing to do with me. They're a whole, it's a racist, sexist, mm -hmm. commercial um, organization that has nothing to do with me. And then suddenly the door opens and you walk in and it's like, oh, there's people here. They're just like me. They're doing this. They're doing that. Oh, my God, look at that. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Could you believe? she wore this or whatever whatever it's just like you get sucked into um, it <laughs> and then the door closes behind me and i'm like inside 
crazy. And it was ex- it was an exciting year. Parasite was such a good film too. That mm-hmm. I, I I used to follow the Oscars a lot more when I was younger, and then sort of stopped for a while, and then. Moonlight and Parasite won, and I was like, oh, okay, actually, mm-hmm. I quite liked both of those films. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is pretty cool. Definitely. And it was interesting to me, it's been interesting to me really seeing what it looks like for an organization like that to really grapple mm-hmm. with issues of representation mm-hmm. um, and equity. Like, they are, they want to change. So it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you not that they're getting it absolutely right yet, but yeah, yeah, I think it's really crazy too when we look at these like large organizations where sometimes change can be like quite a long learning process, mm-hmm. which yeah. is exhausting. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, it, yeah. it is good to see some of change. that like happening. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is exciting yeah. as well. Is there a piece of advice that helped you to where you are today? Um, that could be quite broadly, like just as an individual and a creative or specifically as a filmmaker. Um, yeah. I think, again, it's around authenticity and believing in yourself. And for me, finding that connection between um, uh, between what... I don't know how to explain, but for me, there there is a process of connection. Like anything I do, like you ask me a question, mm-hmm. I actually look inside for the answer, and I go down into my gut, and it tells me what it tells me what my truth is, mm-hmm. and then I put that into words. I don't know if that happens to everybody, but um, I need to go through that process, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. that some people don't, um, and I don't know how they kind of exist or survive, but I feel like that's that's for me um, what what my mother gave me mm. that authentic that that kind of connection to your authentic self mm. um, and that has really allowed me to keep keep going and to stay alive I think mm-hmm. yeah I think that's so that's so wonderful and so true as a creative and as a storyteller mm-hmm. too is that I think it's it's most I find that it's most exciting as a creative to connect to someone else's truth and you can't do that without like being connected mm-hmm. to your own as well so I think that kind of image I like the idea that every time like even in this conversation you're you know re- mm-hmm. reaching down into your gut for every answer which is fantastic because that's what we want <laughs> to hear from each other as well as just to hear like this honesty and this this um, authenticity which is really great mm-hmm. um, and then my last question that I've been asking everyone um, is a bit of a classic with a spin which is when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up and what do you want to be when you grow up now so I wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. I wanted to be a writer I wanted to write I don't think filmmaking was an option mm. at that time when I was growing up so I wanted to be a writer so that's pretty much I think you know I wanted to tell stories mm. so that's pretty much what I've done and it's pretty much what I still want to do that's awesome yeah that's super cool well thank you so 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 much for being my guest that was really fantastic to talk to you it felt like very short in terms of everything you've done I would love to talk to you further about all of your work um and I'd really love to see some of it too it all looks like very fantastic and interesting well it's all available on Caribbean Tales TV okay okay perfect (laughs) yeah I wasn't sure exactly where to find it but I'll be looking there now um and That's amazing. Thank you so much for being our guest. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Femme Fatale podcast. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Femme Fatale Film Festival. This episode was recorded by Astrid Moore and Francis Ann Solomon. The music courtesy of Epidemic Sound and the track is titled Red Red Shoes and it is by Xar Donick. I would also like to extend a huge thank you to my lovely, lovely team of Naya Hofer, Temple Ray, and Ona Plusenik, and to everyone who has been part of Femme Fatale over the years. Thank you. Signing off for now, catch us next time chatting with another Femme Fatale.